Good morning. Y'all doing good? Good. Hey, before we jump into this new sermon series, I just want to kind of tell you uh, some cool things that God is doing here at One Church. I know some of you, you've been with us from the very beginning. Some of you, you, this may be your second or third Sunday, but last Sunday, we had our highest attended Sunday ever here at One Church. We had over 750 people here at One Church. And uh, God is so good. You know, this church is only three years old. And um, I want to say a huge thank you to all of our volunteers, the people. In fact, let me just ask this. If you serve in any area, in any capacity here at One Church, would you just mind standing up? Just stand up. I know. Stay standing. All right. Let's give it up for our volunteers. Thank you so very much. You need to, know, you need to hear me say that um, we couldn't do what we do as a team if it wasn't for all of us. And um, we had four people accept Christ last Sunday. And again, that God is doing some amazing things. And it's because you have decided to say, you know what, I want to help serve. And uh, I just want to thank you for that. Um, uh, you know, another cool thing that God is doing in so many different ways here at our church. Some of you guys know that we take um, a portion of our offering that, that people, you know, that you guys generously give. And we give away. And we give away to overseas missions. But one of the things we started this year is that we have adopted uh, a local uh, ministry every month that we choose to give our money to. And uh, we've given it to the Salvation Army. Uh, we've given it um, uh, to uh, the Boys and Girls Club, the, uh, the Brothers and Sisters, um, and the Big Brothers, Big Sisters. That was really cool. Last, last month, uh, we do a big thing, a big push all month long called Acts 1-8. And what Acts 1-8 is, it's where we believe that missions starts at home. And it's a verse out of Acts 1-8. It's getting crazy, I know. But basically what it says is that the Holy Spirit will give you power and you will be my witnesses. First to Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And Jerusalem was like their backyard. It was their hometown. So last month, we all of our small groups participated and they got involved in doing missions here. And let me tell you what we did. We had uh, some uh, uh, small groups uh, do backpacks for the homeless. We had uh, one small group do um, help out with uh, uh, apartment fires off of 41A. Uh, we had um, a couple small groups help out here at the school. Um, we had uh, small groups help out the crisis pregnancy center. And we had one uh, small group that met, and they did an Easter egg hunt for uh, handicapped children. And uh, we're going to be showing you some videos of that here in the next couple of weeks. But I just want to say thank you so much for your giving. Because everything that we do, whether we send it overseas or we send it across the street or, it's, or if it actually just stays here, none of, it, none of it goes towards, as you can tell, buildings and building buildings or anything like that. We believe that um, God has given us a mission to pour into people. So I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity and your giving and for volunteering. So, all right. Now, on to what I'm going to talk about. This is a quick, weird segue, so watch out because you're going to get that. How many of y'all like superheroes? All right. All right, cool. I don't know about you because I'm a guy when I grew up in, as, as a boy. I loved superheroes. I like superheroes because most of them have those alter egos. And uh, they're kind of awkward. And when you see, you know, who they were without the costume, you're like, man, dude, that's unlikely that that person could ever be anything great. Like this one. 
I mean, you know the whole Superman Clark Kent thing, right? I mean, when you see Clark Kent, you're going, dude, that's a bumbling idiot. But you don't ever want to get Clark Kent close to a telephone booth, right? Because something happens and an unlikely transformation takes place. And this dude is like the bomb. Another one, all right, this next one I like as well. Because his biggest fear, he was afraid of bats. And what did he do? He became Batman. You know, I'm Batman. I, I, I love that. My favorite one when I was a kid that I wanted to grow up in was this dude right here, though. In fact, th- there's a movie coming out this summer that I hope doesn't stink. All right? Because I love the whole idea of Steve Rogers being the sickly kid who was very patriotic and wanted to serve his country. And uh, he gets transformed uh, into Captain America. And, I mean, the dude doesn't have any powers. You know, he's just, he is like the best physical specimen when it comes to, like, you know, health and everything. Much like myself. Um, Batman, you know, he doesn't have any special powers. I mean, I like that because I, when I grew, when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and I wanted to be a superhero. Anybody else had that wonderful dream? Am I the only kid in here who watched Saturday morning television? All right. See, I remember, some of y'all, maybe y'all don't remember this, but Super Friends, y'all remember that? All right. Well, you know, uh, you had those twins, you know, and you, and you form water, you know, form a bucket. You know, I'm like, dude, man, I totally love that, right? Well, here's the thing. As much as I love dreaming about that as a kid and I wanted to be, you know, do something amazing when I grow up, you know what happens? Life happens. And we have these lofty goals and lofty dreams of what we want to be, what we want to become. And then we get married and we get mortgages and we have kids and they got runny noses and we got bills to pay. And all of those dreams that we once had of making a huge difference gets kind of pushed by the way of the wayside because of life just squeezes it out. And the days of thinking that I could do something extraordinary, whether I was in tights or not, are kind of long gone, right? Ain't that funny? All right, stick with me, people. And some of y'all are going, him in spandex would be not good. All right, I understand that. All right, cool. But here's the thing. All of us, when we, when we were kids, we wanted to do something amazing, did we not? I mean, even when we were growing up and you were teenagers, you wanted to, you wanted to change the world. You, you, I mean, you felt like you had a perfect purpose, you had a plan, that you wanted to do something amazing. And when you look back now at your life, you're going, I, I must have just been dreaming. Because I don't think God wants to use me in any extraordinary thing, or I don't think maybe I can be used. I, I, I just, I don't think I got what it takes. And I'm just too busy. And I'm just too normal. I'm just too ordinary. And some of you, you think, you know what, okay, you know, I can see how, you know, God can maybe use that person or, you know, maybe even take God out of the equation. Maybe this, um, because some of you may not believe in God. You just think, you know what, I just feel like that I, I want to do something big and massive with my life. And, and you think it's not happening now. And you, it's easy for you to think, well, you know what, that person, that person can do something amazing because he's got the looks or she's got the looks. He's popular. He got the scholarship. 
And we, we throw all of these things out there, how we can't do some amazing things. But I want you to hear me really clearly, starting this three-week series called Unlikely. That God, what He majors in, is taking unlikely, ordinary, normal people and doing some amazing things with them. And it may sound cliche, and you may feel like the band's going to come out and play a song after I say what I'm getting ready to say in this power ballad or something. But I really do mean what I mean when I say that God wants to use you to do some really unlikely things. That God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And He wants to do some amazing things in your life. He wants to do that. And he can do that. Not, and, it, and it has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with you know, how good you look or how much education you have. A lot of times, whether or not God uses you really is dependent upon your availability of God. Your availability of God. Now, we're going to be looking at a, a guy in the Bible, an unlikely guy in the Bible who God used today. In fact, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Judges chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verse 1. By the way, if you have a smartphone, you can download Uversion. It's a free app, and you can follow along with us uh, on the notes on your phone as well as interact with, this, with the sermon today. So, um, but Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1, let me, uh, the fellow we're going to be looking at is a guy by the name of Gideon. Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. And let's read about Gideon's context. All right? Uh, this is Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Excuse me, Judges chapter 6, verse 1. I apologize. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites. By the way, those were the bad guys. The Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made, being, made hiding places for themselves in the mountains. Caves and strongholds. Now let me give you some context and some background, some history from this before we forever read about this dude by the name of Gideon. Midianites were enemies of the Israelites. All right? The Israelites were God's people, whom the Bible is written about, and the Midianites hated God and hated God's people. So um, in this uh, time of Book of Judges, there was no kings. There really wasn't a lot of leaders. There were these judges, and they kind of led Israel. And for a time when they would lead Israel, Israel would be great, but the judge would die, and then everybody would kinda, everything would go to pot. And uh, everybody started doing all kinds of crazy stuff and started leaving God. So God would have to intervene and have to discipline his children, the Israelites. And many times what he used to discipline his children and to bring his children back to himself was he allowed the enemies to come in and do some things. And that's exactly what we find here. Now, the Midianites were sworn enemies of Israel. And, for, and what's amazing is the Israelites over the past 200 years had been kind of the high person on the totem pole. I mean, they were conquering the Midianites, and the Midianites were just getting angrier and angrier and angrier because they couldn't get a one-up. It was like being the Atlanta Braves in baseball. They knew they're never going to win. That's how the Midianites were, right? So anyway, the Midianites are in here, and finally, they start getting an upper hand. And the Israelites, they start, the numbers start decreasing. And uh, the Midianites, they start multiplying like bunny rabbits, right? And there's all of these Midianites. In fact, there's over 200,000 people, warriors in the Midianite army. And this is kind of cool uh, for some of you like war history buffs. It was the Midianites during this time were the first ones to domesticate the camel. 
For those who have been to Iraq, you've probably seen camels or something. I mean, now you're thinking, well, that doesn't sound fun at all. Well, think about it. By domesticating the camel, they were able to use the camel, camel as a war machine that was able to take them from point A to point B very, very quickly. Think Calvary, right? So um, they, uh, the Midianites, were just whooping all up on the Israelites. And the Israelites, and, and they just weren't out just to, like, take some land. They were out to destroy them. I mean, the Midianites would come in, and they would kill men, women, children. They ruined all their crops, all their livestock. I mean, they just, they went in, and they wanted to destroy the Israelites. And it's in this context, in this dark time, that we're going to see God intervene and use an unlikely hero to do some unlikely things. All right? Look at this. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah. All right. I could say some things. Not going to. Gideon, son of who? Joash. It does say that, right? Um, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you, but let me explain what's going on. You see, back in that day, in that age, people grew wheat. And what they would do is they would cut the wheat, and the tops of the wheat are where the fruit's at, where all the stuff when you make the bread. They would cut the wheat at the bottom, and they would throw the wheat. They would get up on a mountaintop, and they would take this weed. It almost kind of looked like hay, and they would throw it up in the air. In fact, here's a great picture of it right here. It's coming. There it is right there. They would take these pitchforks and they would winnow the grain or thrust the grain and they would throw it up and all of the chaff would blow away, the stuff you didn't want to eat. But the wheat would fall to the ground because it was heavier and that's, that's how you would do it. So you would get on this high mountainside and you would take the pitchfork, you'd throw it up in the air, the wind would blow away all the trash stuff and then the wheat would fall and that's how you threshed wheat. Now... He is not on a mountaintop. In fact, where does it say? Let's go back to that verse. It says, um, it says he was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, let me show you. This is really interesting. Here's a picture of a wine press. All right, The picture of a wine press is this. A wine press is always in a valley. It's never on a hill, it's on a valley because you would put all of these grapes in there and you would mash them up and it would flow down into this little vat. It was in a valley. So he supposed to be threshing wheat up on the mountain and you know why he's not up on the mountain? Because if he was threshing that wheat and throwing it up in the air, the Midianites would see him from afar off and they would come, they would beat him up and take his grain. It was like, he was a bully, Right? I mean, the Midianites were bullying them. So here you have Gideon trying to do something in a, in a, in a low-lying valley, and he's throwing it up, and there's no wind. And he's trying to pick it out, and I mean, he is scared. He is a coward because he's not, he's not about to go up on a mountainside and do all of this work and have some bully take it away from him. So he's down in this valley trying to do something, and it's just not going well for him. All right, now... Verse 12. In fact, some of you, some of you, your life is just not going well for you right now. You're trying to do some things that were never meant to be done in a valley. You're trying to do some things with your finances or with your family or with friendships or with your children, but you've been doing it in the wrong context for so long, you've forgotten 
that this is not where you're supposed to be because you're afraid. And that is exactly where Gideon's at. Gideon, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, everybody at one church, what did he say? Help me out here. (laughs) Mighty hero. That's funny. He is at the bottom of a pit, of a valley, trying to do some things that really is not meant to be done in a valley, but on on a mountain, but he's cowardly. He doesn't want to get beat up again. And the Lord, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with him. The angel called him a mighty hero, and I think that's hilarious because his knees are knocking. I mean, he's the color of yellow. He's a chicken. And, the God, and God shows up and says, you're a mighty hero. You know what I think is amazing about that is God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in himself. Do you know that the same is true for you here this morning? That God sees some things in your life that you don't even see in your own life. He is calling you. He wants to call you in, as a mighty hero. But in your mind, you're thinking, there's no way I could do that because I don't have the looks, I don't have the talent, I don't have the money, I don't, I don't, I don't. And we give excuses because we don't see in us what God sees in us. Now, quick question, who made us? God. And if God makes us, and if God sees something in us, do you know what? Who has the better picture of who we are, us or God? God does, because he made you and he knows your potential. Reminds me of a story of Michelangelo when he was uh, carving David out of this big granite rock. And somebody asked him, he says, how do you know what to chip away and what not to chip away? And Michelangelo just said it like this. He says, you know what? I chip away everything that doesn't look like David. And you know what? God sees something in your life. He sees somebody who's unlikely, who's mighty, who wants to do some amazing things. And he is in the process of chipping away everything that doesn't look like his picture of you needs to become. So God is looking into Gideon's life and sees something that even Gideon doesn't see because God wants to do something unlikely with Gideon. Now, here's the thing. As soon as God stirs in you and in me and in Gideon, As soon as God stirs in us the potential of wanting to do something amazing and extraordinary. You know what always comes up in our lives? Insecurities. Insecurities always rise to the top when we start feeling like and somebody calls us to do something greater or something better with our life. And that's exactly what happened with Gideon. In fact, look at this. Gideon was afraid that he wasn't good enough. Can anybody relate? I can Gideon afraid that he he's afraid that he doesn't have what it takes. Look at verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue hero? <laughs> Gideon said, by the way, you call me a mighty hero? Let me tell you what I think of myself. My clan is the what? Weakest. Everybody say weakest. Oh, that was weak. Everybody say weakest. Thank you. He, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the what? Least in my entire family. Has anybody beside myself ever felt like that? God, you've got the wrong dude. God, you got the wrong gal. God, you have the wrong person. 
I'm just not that consistent in my praying or reading the Bible. I'm not that, I, I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the looks. I don't have the speech. I don't have the public speaking. I remember the very first time God had called me to like preach. And I had never preached before. And I preached at a church here in Clarksville. This is probably 20 years ago now. And uh, four people showed up. One of them was my mom. She's in the back, by the way. How you doing, mom? And another one was my soon-to-be wife. And two other people showed up. <laughs> and I was going, oh, dear Jesus. I don't think I have what it takes. Well, you know what I found out? I ended up going to seminary and doing all this stuff. You know what I found out? I don't have what it takes. And neither do you. Because many times when God causes somebody to do something unlikely, the first thing God wants to show that person is exactly who they are without God. And without God, Gideon was the least in his family and had the smallest clan. That's without God. Without God, all of us, we don't have what it takes. But you put God in the equation, you put God with us, and what's so amazing is something happens. You know, some of you, you feel exactly like Gideon today because you're thinking, you know what, I didn't graduate at the top of my class in high school. In fact, some of you are thinking, I didn't even graduate. I'm a dropout. I got a GED. Some of you think, okay, I wasn't in the top half. I was in the, I was in the bottom half, which made the top half possible, right? Some of you, you weren't voted most likely to succeed. Some of you were voted most likely to go to prison, right? I mean, some of you, you're thinking, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. And I've never had it. And you need to know, if that's the way you're thinking, you, then you are in a, you're in the exact same league as Gideon. What's amazing is this happened almost 4,000 years ago. And guess what? We're here in 2011, May the 1st, talking about a guy who lived 4,000 years ago because he did something unlikely with God's help. And amazingly enough, 4,000 years from now, whatever time that is, there could be people talking about you. Do you know what Jill did? Because she was willing to step out and do something unlikely for God. Who is going to be telling your story a hundred years from now? Two hundred years from now? Because you chose to stand up and even against all of your fears and even though you may be yellow and your knees may be knocking to say, I am going to do, I'm going to, I'm, God is calling me to something different. Some of you, it may be to do something in a school. Some of you, we have a lot of teachers here. And you're thinking, I feel like God is calling me to start a ministry in that school. But you're worried, how, what, what, you know, what's going to happen to the legalities of it? Some of you are in the army. In fact, 75% of our church is military. And I hear this over and over again. God could never, ever use me because I'm in the army. And I want to say, I beg to differ. God wants to use you. Gideon, we're getting ready to find out, he is a mighty hero. He's getting ready to amass an army. And God used him. God can use you as well. This is our big idea today. God takes our not enough and makes it more than enough. Let's all say that together, can we? God takes our not enough and makes it more than enough. You see, Gideon saw something in, him, in himself and he saw a chicken. He saw a fella who was scared to death of his own shadow. 
And God's saying, I want to make you into a mighty hero. And God, along with Gideon, used Gideon to do some amazing things. You know what's so cool about this? And I just want to take a quick time out by saying this. God, this is his specialty. He loves taking nobodies and doing something amazing with him. I mean, you think about this. God called Abraham, and he told Abraham, I want you to be the father of a mighty nation. You're, you're going to have so many kids and great-grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids that there's going to be so many of them that are going to be, you're going to have more kids than sands on a seashore. Now, that sounds great. And you expect that if Abraham was like John and Kate or the Duggars, you know. Abraham and Sarah had no children. And Abraham was a hundred. Dear Jesus. Right? I mean, how do you get children when you're a, when you're a hundred years old? I can tell you, you adopt. But God says, no, I don't want you to adopt. I'm going to give you and Sarah a child. Now, that sounds impossible. And some of you, you're here and you're struggling with infertility and you're thinking that this is, this is an impossibility. And I don't know what your situation is, but I do know this. Every time in the Bible, God always chooses to take impossible situations and do some amazing things. And that's what he did with Abraham and Sarah. Let me give you another one. The the whole Jacob and Esau. I mean, God chose Jacob, who was the younger, and the younger never, they never did anything great. God always chose, the, um, the, the, the older one was always the one who was supposed to do everything great. But God chose the younger. Let me give you another one. God asked Moses and chose Moses. And he says, I want you to speak for me. And Moses is going, I can't speak. All right? And God's going, listen, with you, you're not enough, Moses. But I, when you put me with you, you're going to be more than enough. And what did Moses do? I mean, you've all seen movies about Moses, right? You know, let my people go in Charlton Heston. That happened 3,500 years ago because, not because Moses was something, but because God is something. Let me tell you, God, after Moses died, he raised up Joshua and he told Joshua, I want you to be a military leader. Sounds great, right? Except he had never, ever been a military leader. In fact, he had never even been in an army. All right? It'd be like some of you guys, you just entered into the army last week, you were in basic training, and somebody says, oh, by the way, I'm making you a four-star general. What? Right? And everybody's going, you made a mistake, right? But that is exactly what God does. And God used Joshua. God used Joshua's not enough because God is enough. Let me tell you another one. We've all heard about David. I mean, David was the youngest of his family. He wasn't the oldest. He was the youngest. And God used the youngest of the family to defeat a nine-foot giant. Because, not because David was enough, but because God is more than enough. Or some of you, you've heard about Esther, who was this, in this faraway land, and everybody wanted to kill the Jews, and Esther was a Jew. But she won a beauty contest, and God used a beauty contest to save God's people. Why? Because Esther was all that? No. But because Esther didn't have what it took, but God always has what it takes. I mean, there's over and over and over again, God always chooses the weakest. God always chooses the most broken, the most jacked up. 
people to do some amazing and unlikely things. And some of you, that's exactly where you're at right now because you're facing an impossible situation. And I want you to hear God clearly say to you this morning, God wants to do something unlikely in your life. Something that he may come down and say some stuff and you go, that's not me. But God says, I beg to differ. That can be you. That can be you. Because I want to take, God says, I want to take you're not enough and make it more than enough. So that's what he does. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and Gideon and says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites for I'm sending you. I am sending you, God says. If God is calling you, don't you think he's going to equip you? If God is telling you to do something, don't you think he's going to give you the resources in order to be able to make it happen? If his name is on the line and he says, no, no, it's not you, Gideon. It's me going through you. You better believe God's going to back it up and he is going to come through. And he will come through 100% of the time. Oh, but I'm not good enough. I'm weak. And that's exactly what, let me, quick question, where are you weak right now? I'm not just talking physical. I mean, what areas in your life you feel like you're the weakest at? Because that, it's in those areas that God has the most potential to use you. Why? Because you're all that? No, 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 no. Because God loves taking you're not enough and making it more than enough. Verse 16, the Lord answers, I will be with you. Everybody say with you. I will be with you. And we, what, what's that? Oh, wait, wait. I will be with you and what? We, we, we will strike down all the Midianites together. Now, some of you are thinking, we, is God, is God speaking French? We, we? Does he have a frog in his pocket? No, 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 no. God said, listen, with you, you don't have what it takes, but as soon as I join forces with you, Gideon, you are on a majority. But it's only me. It was. But you put anyone, one person, anytime you put God with that one person, it makes a majority. Always. Because God takes, you're not enough, and he makes it more than enough. So here's what happens. Gideon says, okay, mighty hero. All right, I need a sign, God. Can you give me a sign? Help me here. I'm having some problems with faith. Help me here. So he prays and he says, God, do something, this amazing thing that it would never, ever happen. It's an impossibility. So God comes through and makes it happen. And he gets a sign. And Gideon's going, okay, that helps. I need another sign. And uh, so, so he does a, 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 something very similar. God takes this impossible situation, comes through, and now God has given him two signs. And you know what? You know what Gideon does? He says, I, I need another sign. Does anybody else struggle with faith? Because I do. I'm a preacher sometimes, and when I read stuff about God, I go, yeah, that may be good for that person, but I don't know if God can do that with me. That is exactly where Gideon was at. And, and God came through with Gideon three times. And Gideon says, okay, I guess it's about time to start amassing an army. So he gathered up. And you know how many people he gathered? 32,000 warriors from Israel. Now some of you are going, 32 grand, 32,000, that's a lot of peeps. That's a lot of people. And I would say, yeah, that's, that's good, but trust me, Gideon didn't think it was enough because they were going against an army of 200,000. 
So he's going 30, 32,000 is a start, but it's not the end. But you know what's amazing? <laughs> is God, God, after giving these three signs, look at this. This is in chapter two, chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have, let's everybody say this out loud. <laughs> you have too many warriors with you. Time out. Has anybody ever, ever said, I'm sorry, we have too many warriors? We have, I mean, we got too many army. We, we, got, we just got too many. We got too many tanks. You know, we don't have, we got too many helicopters. We just, we, we, we sent some of them back. Has anybody ever done that? No. Right? I mean, nobody, but God is saying, time out, Gideon. You've got too many warriors. Now, so God's going to do something crazy here. Look at this. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast that they save themselves by their what? Own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. <laughs> so how many? 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So 22,000 went home to mama. 22,000 said, you know what? Uh, I got to go clean my andirons. I got to wash my hair. I, I need to go. Th that, that took 32,000 to 10. And Gideon is thinking, what on earth are you doing, God? I thought you wanted to win this fight. You don't send 80% of our army home. You, you don't do that. I mean, that's not how wars are fought. Or maybe may how they fought where you're from, God, but that's not how they're won. And God says, no, 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 no. This isn't about you, and it isn't about your army. Who is it about? God. Because God likes taking unlikely people in unlikely situations and doing some amazing, unlikely things with them. So he has 10,000. So Gideon's going, okay. Buck up. We're going. We're going into battle. And God says, oh, time out. And Gideon's going, uh, what are you getting ready to do, God? And, and God says, you've got too many. And Gideon's like starting to sweat, going, all right, dude. So, he, and this is what God tells Gideon. He, I, they ended up going to this, this brook, this creek, this stream. And he says, Ever, all, the, all the warriors that get down on all fours and like drink with their mouth to the river, I want you to get rid of them and take the ones that cup the water with your hand and drink it. Why? why, why would, there's not really any particular reason. God was just trying to weed them out. And you know what? Out of 10,000 men, 9,700 of them got down and drunk like this. And Gideon's going, no, no, no. So Gideon now has 300 men. And he's going, okay, I'm ready to resign, right? I'm ready to resign this commission. So, uh, but God says, listen, hang on. Here's what we're going to do. You go to the Midianites. I want you to get some, get some of your band geeks, and I want you to get some trumpets. So they got some trumpets together. How many of y'all are band geeks? Anybody in here? All right, some of you. What did you play? What was that? Saxophone. All right, cool. All right. I mean, so we got, it gets all the band geeks. They get out the trumpets. They dust them out, right? They get your reeds out, right? And he says, I want you to get ready to blow the trumpets. And then some, everybody buy some pottery and then have some torches. 
And, and again, um, Gideon's going, okay, I've not been to West Point, but I don't think this is going to work. And God's going, watch me. Watch me. And what happens on God's cue, Gideon says, okay, let's blow the trumpets, let's break the stone pots, and let's hold up the torches. And God did something unlikely. All of these 200,000 Midianites started fighting one another, and they wiped out each other. And the 300 didn't even have to unsheathe their swords. Now, how can that, how can, how can something like, like that happen? Something that unlikely? Because God will always take you're not enough and make it more than enough. What are some areas right now that you're weak in, that you feel like you're not enough in? It may be some of you, God is, again, God is calling you to do some amazing things on your job. But you, you're waiting on a title. Gideon didn't have a title. He just had God. For others of you, you know, God is wanting to do some amazing things uh, in, in your circle of friends for you to tell them about Jesus. And you're thinking, I, I can't really speak. Or I don't really know how to do it. I mean, at the very least, you know, you can invite them to one church and we'll talk to them about Jesus. But God is calling you to change your environment. To change your friends, your circle of influence. But you're waiting on other people. It's like this. I, I've heard people say this in, in prayers. You know, Because I'm a preacher, I'm always in praying a lot of prayer groups and stuff. And people say, you know, pray that somebody will tell my lost mom or dad. Some, pray that somebody will tell them about Jesus. You know what I want to yell at the top of my lungs? You tell them about Jesus. Because God wants to use you. And they say, well, I, he couldn't use My mom knows me too well, and my dad knows that time, you know, when I was 16, and I stole the keys to the car, and I, you know, ran it headlong into a building, and that wasn't fun. And, and they know all of your jacked up in this. But, you know, God wants to use you to change their eternity. God likes using unlikely people to do some unlikely things. So this morning, I want you to hear clearly that God sees something in you that you may not see in yourself. For some of you, he sees a mighty warrior. For others of you, he sees a godly wife, a wonderful mom. For others of you, he sees a teacher who could go into school and be able to revitalize that school and turn that school on its head for Jesus Christ. For others of you, you work in a contract job or in a position, and God wants to use your sphere of influence to be able to change everybody's eternity there. For others, you work in a company, and you do sales, and you're selling a product, but God has placed in your heart a dream of maybe one day owning a business and starting a business and doing something differently. But what's keeping you back is your failure and your fear of failure. A wise person said, our greatest fear should not be of failing. But of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. God wants to do something unlikely in your life today. But in order for that to happen, you've got to come and bring your not enough. And you're going to see God transform that into more.
than enough. A couple of questions and we'll, we'll be done. First question is this. Um, um, let's see. Uh, uh, in my relationship, I was told by my spouse that, I'm, that they need a break. I've been trying to make it work and praying for us, and I saw God's hands work with us, but now it's gone. What can I do? I feel like I feel so lost. I, didn't, I don't see what else I could do. Well, let me say this. When it comes to relationships, you know, relationships, they're not black and white. They're shades of gray. And the Bible clearly teaches that, um, that you're not to give up. But if your spouse is throwing in the towel in this relationship, you need to hear very clearly that God is still calling you and wants to use you. He, your life is not over as much as it feels like it is. Your relationships and your friendships and all of this stuff, some of these may be coming to a close, but God is wanting to do something amazing in your life. So many times the church in the past, when people have cho- you know, either chosen to get a divorce, it sounds like you, that's not where it's going with you. Your spouse is walking out. So many times the church are the first ones to shoot the wounded and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You've done something so bad, we can never ever use you. And that is a load of crock. God still wants to use your situation. And for some of you, I know people in here that have been divorced and they've gotten remarried or some that have divorced and are still dealing with the pain. But you know what? God is using that, their bad experiences, to be able to influence and change other people as well. And God wants to do that in your situation as well. So um, as we close, I want to pray for you specifically because I want you to know God wants to use you in this unlikely situation to do some amazing things. Um, next question. Does God still send messengers to bring a message to you? Uh, sometimes, but I'll tell you, the, the message that he has sent to us is God's word. You know, so many times people pray and, you know, pray for the signs or pray for the angels or pray, you know, that God would write something, you know, in the sky, in the sky with, you know, whatever, fireworks or something. And God has already written things that he wants you to do, but it's in the Bible and you've got to read it. Now, I know some of you, you're pushed back. Well, I don't know how to read the Bible. All right? I don't know how to do this. And I want to say really clearly, we have a next step for you. In fact, we call it starting point. In fact, our last starting point orientation is next Sunday. And we're not going to do starting point for the summer. So for some of you, if you're wanting to get in and start learning the Bible for the next 10 weeks, your next step begins next Sunday, immediately after this service. So the question is, are you going to man up, or if you're a woman, woman up, and quit moving the excuses out of the way and saying, God, I need to learn more about you. I'm going to go and I, somebody's, and this is a cool place because you can take all of your questions and you can ask your questions. All right. So, um, uh, let's see. Um, and I think that's it for our questions. Uh, somebody said that we have a softball team. I won both games on Friday night. So, anyway, cool. Thank you, whoever texted that. Don't know who you are. So, yeah, cool. Next week, uh, I would encourage you, if you have some people maybe you've been working on, trying to build relationships with them, I would encourage you, next week would be a great Sunday to invite them. Because in this series, God wants to do something unlikely in your life. So, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, God, that you do amazing things in normal people's lives. Lord, that we don't have to be a superhero with tights for you to use us. We don't have to come from a different planet or we don't have to wear 
any type of costumes for you to be able to use an ordinary person to do an amazing thing. Lord, I thank you so much, God, that that you use normal people. Normal people who you see something in themselves that they don't even see in themselves. And Lord, there are men and women and teenagers and children here today that you want to use in an amazing way. And Lord, when you call them to do something amazing, their insecurities are going to rise to the top. But I'm not. I can't. I don't have enough. Fill in the blanks. But Lord, every one of those blanks, every one of those excuses can be filled with one word. And that is God. God is enough. In fact, God, you're even more than enough. Lord, I thank you so much that you want to do some amazing, more than enough, unlikely things in all of our lives. And Lord, for that person who's struggling right now because a spouse has walked walked out on them, Lord, I pray that you would be able to you would just be able to communicate to them that they are still lovable, they are still likable, and that God still wants to use them. Even in this dark, difficult time, Lord, that God, you can be more than enough. Lord, we love you. I thank you so much that you use broken people to do some amazing things. Of course, in Jesus' name that we pray.